Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. So welcome to the Yellow Block, still in lockdown. I'm Jared, and joining me via his Nokia Engage is Kisby. <laughs> Good evening. Uh, mine's slightly older than that, I think, to be honest. <laughs> and we're also joined by guest host Tim. You're welcome, Tim. Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. Uh, Kisby, I can do you a brilliant deal on a, on a Nokia 3210. Uh, we'll talk about that afterwards. I can get you a cracking deal on that. It's got a snake on it as well. And we're delighted to be joined by Posh Academy Manager, Kieran Scarf. How are you, Kieran? I'm very good, thanks. Everybody okay? Yeah, thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, we're all well, thanks. Good. Just before we start off, Kisby, what's your confectionery of the week? Because we always hear the rustling of your sweet bag, so just, let's get it out of the way with now. Yeah, I've, I've gone a little bit left field, actually, tonight. Um, for a change, I've gone for a Cadbury's mini roll. God, I do like a Cadbury's mini roll. I've never heard of that. Well, a mini roll? You've never heard of a mini roll? You need to get out more. Mini rolls in the confectionery, but not chocolate. What is wrong with you? You've never heard of a mini roll? A Cadbury's mini roll? God's sake, man. Oh, good. Shocking. Anyway. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Before we start, thanks to everyone who listened to the last episode. We peaked at 12th in the UK iTunes football charts. We want to get into the top 10 before, you know, this quarantine ends. So please subscribe on iTunes. I thought you were going to say we peaked at 12 listeners then when you started no, to say 12, that, No, 12 <laughs> in, the, in the football iTunes chart, I think. For, we we uh, can only dream of figures like that, to be honest with you, 12 <laughs> in one go. I think we've not had 12 in total, to be honest. Okay, listen, stop playing it down. 12, 12 in the iTunes chart, football no, chart, is very good for a you know, Peter United football podcast, that's for sure. Playoff form, that um, is. The... EFL have unveiled uh, radical plans to finish the 1920 season in just 56 days, uh, with all football clubs set to go behind closed doors. Um, that time frame, which equates to just eight weeks, would see all the remaining League One fixtures plus the playoffs all completed. That's a crazy time frame, don't you think? It's never going to happen. Never, never going to happen. It's not. Well, let's it's just not. squash just, that then. It, 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 not in a million years is that going to happen. Kisby's just got off the phone with the AFL as we speak, telling yeah. them it won't happen. What, yeah, what are your it, thoughts on that, Kieran? Would you, do you say? Would you say that's possible? Um, well, we've been talking about it today, actually, and obviously we're now planning towards those dates. 
because that's all the direction we've got. That's, my personal opinion is that that's still probably early, May the sixteenth. But I think the government announcement next week will give us a bit of bit of a clue, I suppose. Um, but the behind closed doors option is not a surprise. It really isn't. I, I, I think if if we can get to a stage where this next season starts in September, uh, I think that would be a, a good place for us to be in. To be honest, I've noticed that. Um, so I work for the one 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 service. I've noticed that it started to plateau slightly, which is a positive sign. Our call volume has dropped significantly over the last couple of weeks. Now, what's really really important as we come into um, into the Easter weekend, as we're recording this, we're kind of hitting the perfect storm because we're hitting the peak of the virus. At the same time as we're coming into a long weekend that also looks like it's going to be quite nice weather-wise. So um, I know that the authorities are worried about that. It's really, really important that everybody just follows that advice just for the moment, certainly for the next few weeks, because reading through the workarounds that have come out today, and obviously I'm, I'm, it's not my field of expertise, but I'm pretty confident if we all carry on doing what we've been doing and, and everybody keeps up with the good work they've done, I reckon by the end of May, we could start to see some sort of normality resume. Um, and I think it's at that point that behind closed doors, football will return. And my God, do we need football to return? Um, I miss arguing with random people on Twitter so badly. Um, <laughs> and it just it just brings so much normality back to life, having stuff like that to talk about. And honestly, I think if we can nail this weekend um, and people, and I know it's tough, but if people keep up with the, the good work they've been doing um, in terms of following the advice, I honestly think by the end of May, we could we could see this ease slightly. Yeah, I think it was always going to come back behind closed doors initially because sport is is not one of the priorities in, in life, is it? You know, you don't have to go and watch sport. You sort of have to go to work and things like that. So that will be eased initially, I think. And then sport will be one of the, the last things where people can gather together in large crowds. Yeah, I know um, there's been a lot of talk this week about the exit strategy and how we're going to kind of come out of it. And, and you're right, I think, uh, you know, crowd gatherings and, and mass gatherings will be the last thing to come back in. But I, I do think by the end of next month, we could sort of see the resuming of schools, non-essential workers, um, trying to get the economy running again. But also then we can get football going. And even if it's behind closed doors, right now, I would, I would take that. I've started watching the Belarusian third division um, just to try and get some fix of football. Um, would would so, there not have to be um, like an introduction of some kind of test? Uh, it's obviously, non-essential workers go back to work and things like footballers as well. That's still quite a lot of people, especially, mm. you know, footballers. That's still quite a lot of people in one place. Yeah, but I think if we if if everybody if we what we need to get through is get through this peak. And although it's you know a lot of people are, are dying from this, and having spoken to a lot of people affected by it, it's a, it's a horrible illness. It really is. Um, I do think that the figures are still under where we expected, um, and certainly it looks as though we're we're following under a trajectory of what we anticipated would be the the, the normal scenario. So that we have to take positives from that. Um, and certainly if we can get through this next weekend which is really really key um in terms of staying underneath that model then yeah i, I honestly think that we'll, we'll see a, a return to normality sooner than perhaps what we initially anticipated well fingers crossed um absolutely the fa the fa chairman greg clark has admitted the season closing may not be possible um he's also said there is a danger of losing clubs um obviously jason neil in the last podcast said that he think that's an you know that's going to happen, Kieran. Your thoughts on how the season will end? Do you, do you believe it will it will finish? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I believe it will finish. Um, and I think there's there's a lot of lot of talk. And I understand why uh, Greg Clark talks as, as he is. Um, it's all, almost at that point where you, you're not committing to anything, which I think we all understand um, why they would do that. 
Um, and the, the bit about clubs going out of business, unfortunately, you can you can see that happening. But if if that'd be criminal, to be from my point of view, that'd be absolutely. There's that much money at the top end of the game. Yeah. If if football allows clubs to go out of business through something of no fault of their own, we're not talking about mismanagement here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it would be criminal. The, the trouble with that is that it. it there is a lot of money in in football, but it's all concentrated at the top, Absolutely. and the top and the top don't want it to filter down. Billionaire owners of large, important English clubs are getting public money this second, right? Mm. They're furloughing their staff. Liverpool are furloughing their. That staff. was outrageous. That means that they means sorry, on that, they, they are yeah. getting public money, right? So mm. I feel that clubs at the top should be dipping into their reserves and their pockets to help fund this because I find it personally disgusting that clubs like that are being bailed out by Joe Public. Yeah, we're football fans on this podcast. A lot of people aren't football fans in this country. They are funding those clubs now, public money. There is no justification whatsoever for them not to then pay to keep clubs in business. It, it makes an absolute mockery. And when I see multimillionaire players come on YouTube, be crying the fact that they've been hard done by, by having to give up 30% of their wages, it's disgusting, absolutely disgusting, I, I think, from my point of view. Well, there's your trail for the show there, right there. It's uh, one of Kisby's runs. <laughs> Set us up nice for a nice positive <laughs> podcast, Kisby. Nice one. Anyway, bit, bit of posh news. Um, Connor O'Malley is leaving the club. Um, the other Irish players doesn't seem to have worked out with. Um, I do hope he didn't listen to our greatest uh, goalkeeper yeah. podcast, though. Uh, Tim, I don't think you were too complimentary of him. It wasn't um, so much that I'm not complimentary. It's just more the fact that I was surprised because he came with so much hype um, and it kind of never really happened. And that's really frustrating because he comes across as such a nice guy. And I'm sure Kieran would probably back that up. Um, yeah. He seems like such a wonderful guy. And to not just leave the club, but to go, actually, you know what? The industry's not for me. I think that just really kind of caught me on the hop. Yeah, he's, a, he's a lovely I think he's lovely only 25, lad, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah. Very, very bright lad, very intelligent lad. Um, and I think he's he's obviously come from a um, the financial industry into football, and it sounds like that's probably where he's going to go back into just to have a look at you know what happens next for him. Um, yeah. he's, he's, he's not he's, a, he's an intelligent lad. He's got his head screwed on, um, and I'm sure he'll he'll make the right decisions on what he does next. Fair play. I mean, that's, that's a brave decision. To, you know, he's at a decent level of football, and, and to, to jack it all in to go to another career. Fair play to him. Um, mm. Uh, Sam, Sammy Smoddick's injury is healing. Uh, positive news of quarantine, if any. Um, mm-hmm. So hopefully, when we are back, he will be he'll be back in the setup. Um, if the loan's extended, obviously we spoke to Jason about that as well. And hopefully, they that will just that all the contracts will just two p over um, until until they need to. Basically, one of the things that we haven't spoken about, and this is actually a friend of mine, Russell, who mentioned this. Um, we're talking about football coming back, but we're not taking into consideration the fact that players haven't been playing football for quite yeah, a while. There's no preseason. They, yeah. they can't. They can't just let's say tomorrow and mm. football was back. They just can't come back. And bear in mind, it will be still a few weeks, if not months, until they come back. So, will there be a period of preseason inverted commas before they come back? Because I would have thought that they would need that before they can come back which pushes the sort of start of the season back even more it's it's something that the football league have been quite clear that they will be they will give clubs a period of time to prepare um they've not been sort of they haven't given us a clear indication of what that will be but i think we, we all feel that we need sort of at least three weeks mm. um to to get ready there's no doubt about that 
kind of a mini pre-season, I but guess, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely right. Um, that's for Kieran. And where did it all start for you? Tell us a bit about your history and background in the game. Well, I mean, I was thinking about it today. Actually, it's, it's almost gone a, a, a big full circle, really. Um, going back to sort of the late seventies, when my, my dad was actually doing this job at Peterborough. Um, late 70s early 80s under John Barnwell first and, and then Peter Morris so there's a lot of affinity with the club going, going back a hell of a long time um, and then I I ended up um, playing sort of locally as a youngster it was very different back then um, and then ended up playing quite a bit in um, I'll say it fairly quietly Cambridge United youth team um, <laughs> <laughs> before before being told that you know I wasn't good enough which at the time was, was the right decision because I didn't perform um, as a, in the way I should have done at that sort of time so that, that was a fair decision on reflection you know, a long time ago now um, and then I, I just played non-league football and then ended up as Chief Scouts at Lincoln uh, under Keith Alexander for four years and then John Schofield for a couple of years um, before doing the same job at Cheltenham with Keith Downing. Um, and then having left Cheltenham myself and, and Keith got, got the sack at Cheltenham, I then did a bit of scouting here and there for people that I knew. And then um, Dave Robertson asked me around sort of start of 2010 if I'd come in and, and help out um, with, with the academy programme. And it had been sort of had it up and running for a couple of years previous to that from, from scratch, really, but a lot of hard working. Um, and I, I was at the club then till sort of 2016, uh, two or three different roles, finishing as academy manager for a, a couple of years, obviously after Dave took the first team job. And before I then sort of, um, moved on with up to Doncaster to sort of team up with Darren again. And your, your relationship with Darren, obviously, like you say, you've, you went to Doncaster and you come back. You have a good Working relationship with Dale Ferguson. Yeah, very good. Yeah, we've got you know we've got a, a, a strong relationship. I think we both understand what each other sort of wants and needs. Um, there's a, a lot of tr- trust and a lot of loyalty there. To be honest with you, um, and for me in my job, he's he's excellent to work for because he's, he's very challenging to work for. I will say, um, but in a very positive way because he he will give young players a chance as as has been shown again this season. So for me. That's exactly what we want as an academy. We want, want the lads to have a chance. Yeah, as long as they earn it, they get an opportunity. Whereas um, under certain managers, that wouldn't be the case. So it, it does help me and, and my staff immensely having a manager like that. We've said um, a few times recently that he does seem to be able to get the best out of young players and progress them on. And that's what we like about him on, on this podcast. Yeah, he places I mean, a huge emphasis on development of players. And, and to be fair... Um, you know, he'll take sessions with our younger players, you know, below youth teams, under 14, 15, 16. He'll take sessions through the season. Um, he'll certainly take youth team sessions or and small groups of youth team players. As we'll Gavin Strack and Aaron McLean, Mark Tyler, you know, does a lot of work with the goalkeepers. But he'll also develop, spend a lot of time developing the older players. And I think you, you know, you've, I know you sort of said that in, in recent podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you'll see improvement players. You know, we, when we went up to sort of Doncaster, you know, there's, you know, the work that he did with the likes of James Coppinger, Andy Butler, um, really good players. But you know, certainly, you know, Andy Butler, for example, always say he, he was sort of 32, 33, um, and he became a much better centre half because of the work that that Darren and Gavin especially put into them. 
there's a clear development like, there's a clear like pathway for development i find under ferguson which i guess must make it easier for you to sell to the younger players in terms of they can see that the other players have have, have gone down that pathway and ended up in the first team and gone on to to bigger and better things in some cases that must help you in terms of um you know keeping the encouragement up for the kids Massively, it's a, it's a massive part of the sales pitch. You're exactly right there. So, if I, you know, we, this year um, we we have brought in four or five players from outside the club. At, you know, the end of their under sixteen year, uh, which is not something that I, I want to be doing on a regular basis, but sort of needs must this year. Um, and you know, we've took some good players in from from quite big academies, and that was a big part of the sales pitch. You know, you, mm-hmm. you put in those stats up, and, and we, we we're competing against. Some category one, big category two academies um, with excellent facilities, but we're we're offering something probably different in terms of a pathway to the first team a lot quicker. Mm. So when it comes to youth recruitment, Kieran, um, you say you brought in four players. Then is is that solely your job, or is the first team manager involved in that as well? Is it a group effort? No, we we certainly bounce things off. We've got a, we've got a full time head of recruitment in the academy, uh, some some Gukran, who obviously he, he played for the club. Um, as a youngster and, and turn pro, um, so he looks after that for us, and he'll he'll go out and watch watch academy games and and highlight players that we should keep an eye on should they get released. There's so many video clips around now of players as well that we can get our hands on. So certainly we'll look at those. And so for example, Bobby Coppin, uh, yeah, that was a big discussion with myself and the manager watching clips of Bobby because obviously he became available. We hadn't seen him play other than in the FA Youth Cup game against Peter, funny enough, um, when he was at Berry. So him and his staff are very happy to watch things and, and to give their opinion uh, because they see them in the first team hopefully until two or three times they have a vested interest in it what's the motivation for the young people to get involved in football these days because obviously you can earn an absolutely obscene amount of money in football these days is it is it more money are people more obsessed with money these days or is it still a case that they just love the game so much they want to be footballers and, and money is just an added bonus if they do well sort of thing I think if you're going to be successful, it's got to be an added bonus, the money, because I think you, you've got to love what you're doing to do well. You know, that's the biggest thing for me. When, you know, when you're taking youngsters in at under nines, um, which is, you know, you're taking eight-year-olds eight year into your programme, it's very young, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. But that's that's what the game is these days. And we have to make sure that they come to us because they love playing football. And, and the biggest thing for me is that they carry on enjoying playing football. That's the biggest thing for me, by, by a long way. And that's the vast majority of them do. And of course... I suppose as you get near to the first team and with social media, etc., they see things that players are in at the top level. But um, I'm sure that has an interest for for the young players. But predominantly, it's because they love the game, and it has to be that way. Um, what impact has coronavirus had on the youth academy and the staff? Has it obviously had, has it had an effect? Uh, the staff staff are just supporting whatever the club you know, needs them to do at this moment in time. To be honest. Um, and things do slow down, and and we are looking at it, and almost as like the the off season really in terms of the work we're doing at the minute is planning or reviewing this season first and foremost. Although we don't know if it's finished yet from a youth team perspective, um, but reviewing our progress this year and then planning for the improvements we want to make next year. Uh, there's, there's a lot of lot of exciting things going on um, in terms of plans for the future for the academy. So a lot of planning work going on at this moment in time and lots of conversations and, and, and video calls, etc. Um, and we're making the most of the time. We're also encouraging the staff to, to spend a bit of time with the family because if we do get back at work in June, it's going to be full on until next May, really. It's not going to be much of a break, you know, so have a bit of time with the family now is important as well. 
Have you um, have you noticed a, a growth since you since you last growth in the academy since you last um, was at the club? Yeah, it's it's nice to come back into. Um, I was when I left the, for example, the the training ground that the three G was on the verge of getting built. So it was nice to see that finish when I came back, and there, there was certainly for in place for the start of the season. To be fair, there's always an increase in the staff. Um, supported by obviously the three owners, which, which is great to see. That's going to help us develop. So there's definitely been some some progress in in areas, and now we've just got to be become very consistent in, in getting players that are first team ready, um, and players that can play sort of week in week out in the first team. By the time they're sort of you know 20 years old, um, that have come through our program, have got a real affinity and understanding of the club. Um, know what's required, know what's expected, not as just as players, but as the young people as well. Um, and go on and play a game for our first team. That's that's what we want them to do. What proportion of players do you get from this area? Is that of interest? Um, it's a mix per age group, to be honest with you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Um, mm-hmm. I'll be totally honest with you, one or two age groups is, is too loath for me. I, I find it hard to believe that there's not more players in, in Peaceborough. So we, we need to... Um, increase our recruitment we've we've started to increase that this year in terms of trying to get more more feet on the ground if I'm honest with you in terms of watching watching games you know some some does a good job but he can't just do it by himself so we're managing to get um, a few more scouts out and about watching games you can get more players from this local area you'll get more people through the gates absolutely right you know we should we should no doubt about it we, we should sort of almost have you know Using the word lockdown at this time, but we should lock lock people down in terms of mm. the, the best young talent, the best young potential should come to us. Um, and then who knows? It's a, a long term program, so you, you never know where it's going to get to. But, you know, I'm always more than open to widening the net as they get older. When they get to 15, 16, you've got a much better idea of what level they could get to. Um, mm. You know, you've got the scope to your next should you need to. But I'm I'm totally with you. We had an age group when I was here before where. Um, we had a number of players um, who were, came right the way through the program into into the youth team from under nines all the way through, and that's what I want to happen again. But then I, then it needs to go on from there beyond that into the first team. Touch on that point that kids we just made there about local you know local uh, youth and and everyone loves a, a local lad in the first team. For us, because we don't really have any big clubs around us, what who's our biggest threat in terms of poaching youth talent? Norwich and Leicester. Okay. They're our biggest ones. They're within our players within the radius that mm. they can sort of operate in. Plus, they've got as Category One academies have got huge budgets to be honest with you, mm. and they, and they do operate within our area, which they're more than entitled to do so. Um, and you know we need to work very hard to make sure that the young players and their parents are attracted to come and train and develop at our club and not their club. 
do you have volunteers? Yes, we do. Yeah, Sam's, Sam's got a big team of volunteers that he's developed this year, that he's put together this year. And we've also got a small number of, of what we term senior scouts, if you like, who are, are on a small sort of retainer, um, a very small salary just to go out and watch games at the weekend. And it's something we, I say we do need to develop further because it's, it's the most important job recruitment, in my opinion. Mm. Um, but we've also got a, you know, we, there's a lot of work going on with air facilities. Um, you know, developments include an indoor dome, go, getting Casper 2 status, hopefully in about a year's time, or just over a year's time. Um, those things will help us recruit because um, parents will also look at Leicester and they'll look at Norwich and they'll look at, and they'll look at them as Premier League clubs. And that tends, you know, you know, unfortunately, you do get this must under a Premier League club, which is which is great. But it's about the opportunities that they're going to get further down the road, and that's what we need to encourage parents to to, to see. And the vast majority do. Can you tie youngsters down to contracts? What's what's the youngest age you can you so, un- un- so under nines they they uh, they sign a contract for a year. So wow. same every club in in the country. You know you, you can keep them for a year, and then you have a decision about whether you keep them again for another year. And then when they get to under under twelve, the end of the under twelve year, you then into two year contracts. Interesting. Then, just with the added investment from what the owners have injected into the youth academy recently, um, does does that give you more? Do you, do you feel more pressure through that? Generally, good pressure. So, so yes, but it's good pressure because that, that's what I want. But, you know, they're, they're they're giving they're putting more money in, and they're increasing the investment, and they want to return on that investment, and rightly so. They're hundred percent. No, I've no issue with that whatsoever. And it, by the, the additional money brings additional staff, it brings additional facilities, it brings a higher categorisation of academy, it gives us more chance. That, 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 you know, we can't have any excuses now with, with what they're doing for us, to be honest. So, yeah, so yeah. Although it brings more pressure then, it, it, it aids you as well then, doesn't it? Oh, massively. Massively. Um, you, you don't feel like you're banging the head against a brick wall and you can't see a pathway for the players etc etc you know we, we can't have any excuses now it's, it's down to to me and and the staff to make sure this works now and we and we get more players coming through you know Jason's target is sort of in the next sort of four or five years that every every season sees an academy graduate or three academy graduates play at least 10 times in the first team that, that's quite a high, high target isn't it it is it, it is a high target um but with the support we're getting and the philosophy of the club um, in terms of giving youngsters a chance it's achievable I suppose that's again it links into Darren and that's why it's vital to have a first team manager who's, who's you know willing to allow that to happen absolutely it's key you know so so the manager will talk about obviously his his relationship with, with the chairman and how important that is um, you know I, I see the same in terms of my relationship with the owners but my relationship with him is, is so important um, the, we keep that pathway open um, and, and as long as he's there it will be no doubt about that obviously um, they're very well into words um, Matthew Everington and, and Simon Davis what are they like to, to work with? really good I didn't know them before I came back to the club um, you know, I'd, not, I'd not come across them obviously I've seen them as players but never come across them um, and they've been really good um, obviously, they work very well together. They've obviously, got, again, you know, we talk about relationships. Their relationship is, is a very strong one. They work very well. They understand each other. Um, they've got a really good manner with the youngsters. Um, obviously, they've been through it themselves. They've got a real affinity with the club. Enormous experience that they've, they've got to pass on. They're, they're still developing themselves as, as coaches. But the great thing there is that they they know that and they want to learn. 
Um, uh, Simon's doing his A licence at the minute. Matty's finished his and he's on his pro licence next year. Um, so, so he's flying through his qualifications, but he, they're both really eager to learn and develop. Um, you know, and they're, they're going to be with us, you know, certainly for for another few years yet. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. We've had those conversations. They're enjoying what they do. The players are benefiting. Um, and they're vital members of staff to me, really important members of staff. Kieran, with your kind of scouting and sort of head of youth development background, what's the proudest moment in your career thus far? So, and this could be not necessarily as youth players, but a player that you've scouted that's gone on to, you know, achieve amazing things. What would you say is the, the one standout moment in your career just now? Obviously, apart from this podcast. Okay, yeah, is, which is the peak. This yeah. is right That's a very good question. There's, there's, there's been different. I suppose different types of highlights. So, from an academy player perspective, Leonardo was a, you know, is a big highlight. To be honest with you, um, yeah. what he's achieved, and he's still very young. It's easy to forget how young he still is. But you know, what he's achieved in the game so far, um, given the challenges he faces as a young as a youngster, um, is, is a real highlight. And, and the role that myself and a few others played in in supporting that and. Finding, you know, finding if you like, and then, and then actually fighting enough competition from Leicester and Norwich to to get him to sign and go on. He recruited locally as well. So wasn't yeah, he was. Yeah. So, so the story, the story behind is the story behind it is he was he was playing for Power League. He hadn't been in the country very long from Portugal, and he was playing for Power League. Oh. And our academy goalkeeping coach at the time, Ian Pledger, came into work on the Monday morning, and, and he spoke to somebody in a pub on a Sunday. Who <laughs> just who said about this? This lad, you know, he's scoring goals for fun. Um, and at the time, we had, we hadn't got any recruitment staff, dedicated recruitment staff. So the following Sunday, myself and Kevin Russell went to watch him playing in Stamford for Power League. Um, and he could, within ten minutes, it was we've got a sign this kid. Um, that's an, that's not an awesome story. Yeah. You can imagine that kind of thing happens in professional football. No. Brilliant. Uh, so, and then it's, it's um, like video game stuff, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then there's a fellow who um, I don't know if he still has anything to do with Power League, but a fellow called Dwayne Baker, who was brilliant. And I, and I said it a few times in, in the sort of media, if you like, back then. He was so. Imp- I don't think we'd have got Leo if it wasn't for Dwayne. He was so so important because Leo had built a relationship with him being used to the country and um, through through the football and, and Dwayne was great you know he's, he sort of helped us almost fend off Norwich and Leicester we were very keen to take Leo and set up a meeting um, with Leo and his mum and I'll be honest with you I nearly walked out of the meeting within five minutes um, because he got his baseball cap on back to front <laughs> he, wouldn't, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't look at me in the eye and he, and he, and he wouldn't speak and I'm thinking I, I don't get it I'm, I'm a bit like that I think it come across as rude I struggle with it but I stuck with it and, and, and whatever and then over a period of time um, you know going round to the house and speaking to his mum and speaking to Leo we, we got him to sign and I, I then found out the reason he was, he was sulking that day was he'd been in trouble at school um, so, so he was probably for having his hat on back to front probably probably exactly so, we, we have to so, say a problem with Jarrett sometimes <laughs> as well. that's a champ. <laughs> but yeah so, that, so that's a, a you know, real you know, so going from right back to the start with Leo all the way through and seeing him develop during my time at the club and then you know I, I still keep in touch with him now uh, I still speak to him now and it's just it's nice to, just to follow his career I suppose he's the blueprint then, really, isn't he? Obviously, you've you've got him from you know ridiculously low level of football. Now he's moved on, absolutely bigger and better things, and made the club a lot of money in the process. Yeah, he, show, he shows you that there are definitely players with that potential out there, 
and it's down to us to find them and to, to coach them and to give them the opportunities. Um, that's, that's our job. What, what would you find most difficult about your job? What's the most difficult part of your job? Are you breaking kids' hearts when you're having to yeah, say, look, we're not keeping yeah, that, you on? Yeah, that is probably the most difficult part. You know, it's just so much of, of my job that, it, it, to be honest with you, it's just enjoyable. You're doing a job you really enjoy doing in an industry you really enjoy. But that, that, is, that is the most difficult part. When, you, when you're saying to youngsters, look, you know, we don't think you've got the potential to carry on this football club. Um, that is the most difficult part. Um, is it difficult to motivate them to work hard? Because we all know that perhaps young people these days probably don't work as hard as maybe generations ago. Is it is it difficult to motivate them to work properly hard? Because I always remember David Beckham used to say when he was young, he used to work really hard to get to where he got to. You know, he was a very talented player. But is it a case of these days, kids are a little bit, well, yeah, I'm good at football, that's good enough for me, I don't need to work hard, I don't need to put the extra in? Yeah, I think, no, I don't think that's the case generally. They do work hard, to be fair. I mean, you're dealing with, obviously, teenagers for a start. Um, mm-hmm. And we, we all know what they're like, haven't been one ourselves, I suppose. But So they have their ups and downs, but generally they... they Generally, they work really hard. Um, I think the way society is done now, what you don't see so much is, you know, if you walk around your, your local park or on the streets even, you, you don't see kids kicking the ball around so much these days that you used to. I will say mm-hmm. that. But when they're with us, the, the, the attitudes of our young players are, are very, very good. And, and they do work hard. No issue, you know, when they're with us. It's just perhaps that, that extra bit where they go and kick a ball around with their mates. I don't think that happens so much, perhaps. Mm. Well, nicely put there, Tim. Breaking kids' hearts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was just trying to think about <laughs> what must be the worst part of the job. Yeah, well, are, you yeah, familiar, are you familiar with the game Football Manager at all? I'm familiar with it, but I've never played it. OK. Well, I owe you a massive thank you, because in the virtual world of Football Manager, you unearthed um, a youth gem at Peterborough called Sanji Finnegan, who went on to single-handedly <laughs> get me promotion to the Premiership. With there you go. <laughs> and stats-wise, you have got one of the best stats as the head of youth development in League One, so interesting fact for you there. Oh, that's, very, that's very nice to hear, and I need to find out who this lad is, this Finnegan. He's <laughs> <laughs> just a made-up <laughs> random character that the game did finish, but he, he went on to make me millions. Exactly, do with one of them. Do with one of them. What future plans for the academy um, are in place? We are sort of getting ready to, to apply for planning to build a dome, an indoor dome, indoor 3G pitch uh, at the training ground at Neen Park Academy. Um, and with that, we will then look to apply to, to become a Category 2 academy. Um, and that's, that's our aim. We still want that to happen next year. Um, and what we'll need to go is we'll have these, uh, almost a full season of of auditors coming in from the Premier League effectively um, from their audit company to see if we are effectively one of the best Category 3 academies and worthy of Category 2 status um, and if if we get that that'll be a year in June that we get that and, and that's that's the short term goal if you like but it, it'll be a huge step for the academy it'll be a massive step what, for the academy What do the categories mean in practical terms? What does a Category 2 academy mean compared to a Category 3 academy? You get more funding for a start, um, which obviously helps. Um, you there's a necessity to have better facilities, which again helps in terms of play development. Um, the games program um, is generally stronger, so you're playing against essentially bigger clubs um, and stronger academies. So the challenge on your players in terms of games 
is increased, which is also important. And you also get more protection in the compensation formula in terms of clubs coming and getting your players. You can actually get more for them. Um, kids, we've got some listener questions there. One from Jamie Jones. Um, does he think the plans and timeline for the move to Category 2 status, the indoor dome and mini stand for parents or fans to watch matches, will be impacted by the coronavirus situation? Good question. Uh, in terms of the mini stand, no, because the steel structures for the mini stands have already been put up, so they will be completed um, in, the, in the near future. Um, so, so they definitely might be impacted. And our aim is that our move to Category Two and, and the dome won't be impacted either. That is a sort of very, very clear directive from the owners again, showing their, their support. Um, I'm sure it will slow things down slightly. Don't get me wrong, um, but. Get, no, we're still, we're still sort of full steam ahead to try and get everything done next season. Okay, and this is also from Jamie Jones. As someone who has a son in the Posh Academy, I'm really grateful for the updates that have come from Kieran and the work the coaches have put in to keep the boys engaged. Um, does Kieran think the Academy season will finish as we all hope the first, te- first team season will? Or does he think it will be a case of starting the new season in the summer? Again, good question. We to be honest with you, just waiting for some clarity from the from the football league. I mean, it's not a criticism at all. I've got plenty to, to be dealing with. At the minute, the games program for the for the youngsters, um, for Jamie's lad, for example, is just postponed indefinitely. My opinion is that um, that it will it will pretty much stop now. Um, once the schools go back, we will certainly get the youngsters back in, even if it's just for a short period of time before we give them another break before the next season starts. And I think we'll, in term, we'll be led by the schools going back in terms of getting our youngsters back in because it, it almost sort of would defeat the object in terms of the way that we're working in the country if, if the schools haven't got gone back in, but yet we're getting loads of youngsters. Think, to us. Yeah, I think the schools, when it comes to schools, I think they're very, very unlikely to go back before September now, personally. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, we've got another question here from this, this is from the Posh Report. How many players in the current academy setup does Kieran think will make it into the first team? <laughs> all of them. Okay. Yeah, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Every single one. Um, you, can't, you can't say none of them, can you, mate? Because <laughs> no, no, we've got some. Uh, we've obviously. Uh, there's a, uh, it's four of the of the current second year apprentices um, as they're finishing off um, have got professional contracts you, you've then got sort of first year under 17 group as it currently stands um, where we, I'd be very hopeful of similar sort of numbers again and I think if we if we can keep getting to the point where you know there's, there's four or five in every age group who've got the, the potential to turn professional and then try and go again and get close to the first thing I'd be very happy with that. But there's, there's good players in, in every age group. Gen- generally, there is there's good good players all the way through. Um, but it's you know you're looking in a you know crystal ball really to be honest with you when they're sort of nine ten year, years old. Um, so yeah, yeah. Bailey Bailey's still Bailey's still in the academy. He's joined the the full time program that we we run from Neem Park Academy. Um, you know, Bailey, so Bailey's there, and you know he's just, he got a set piece uh, on him like his old man. I've heard he's got a really good left foot on him. He's got a very good left foot. He's better finished than his dad. And, um, <laughs> yeah. I'll say that. <laughs> he must be good then. Yeah, he's good. He's good finisher, Bailey. He's a really good lad, very well mannered. You going back to that sort of working hard. He's very, he's very focused. Um, just as a follow up, that do you expect Barker, Jay Jones, or Cartwright to break into the first team on a regular basis next time? Yeah, we'd be very hopeful that, that you know that as every year goes by, if you like, 
Um, they're getting close. Sam Cartwright's done really well this year. Um, uh, Carl Barker's done really well. It's a shame, obviously, with you know for Carl that the loans for Wrexham's had to be sort of cut short. But they'll, they'll certainly get themselves closer. I know, I know the manager's has got got certainly hopes that that'll be the case, and I'm sure it will be. Ricky obviously is sort of entrenched himself in the first team squad as is Harrison Burroughs. So mm-hmm. um, as always, the squad will have a youngish feel to it. You know, the manager likes to work with younger players. He likes the energy and enthusiasm they bring. So I'm sure they'll be around strongly around the squad. Yeah, um, this is a question from Bob. In your experience, what percentage of players I mean, academies go on to make it in a professional? It's increased quite a lot over the last few years uh, in terms of turning professional. And I think the re- big reason for that is the was the development of the under-23 program. So now what you get is, for the bigger academies, they're almost making the decisions. Some, I don't know, some clubs might involve a manager, some, some might not. Players will turn professional and stay in the under 23 development group at these bigger clubs. So the, the number has actually gone up quite considerably. I think so to well over 50%, 50-60% of actually players turning professional. It's the, the problem comes when you get to 2021 and players that then stay in the game. It dips way, you know, quite low again. Um, and, and, and that's the problem. Whereas a few years ago, at 18, the figures were sort of on their 30%. Now they're maybe sort of 60% turned professional. Um, but that number drops again to sort of 2021 because they don't get into the first team and they disappear. Um, we've got one more here for the comments. If you won the Euro Millions, would you buy the club? And moreover, do you think a fan would make a good chairman or would they be blinkered by their love for the club? <laughs> I don't know if my wife would let me do that. Jesus. <laughs> um, that's a very good question. Um, I, I think I, I see some things going on in football, and I always think I wouldn't. You know, people are so so brave or daft and I to put the money into football clubs, um, but they do it because they because they love it, and they, you know, that, it's just a, a real passion for it. And I think that's important. Again, going back to players, you've got to enjoy what you're doing. Mm. Um, so I think if I had loads and loads and loads, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I wouldn't. I'd be more than happy to to invest them into into the right football club, and, and for, obviously, Peter is my football club, so. Um, I could say that's if, if the wife let let me do it. Um, <coughs> Does she listen to the podcast? I'm sure she. I'm sure she will do. She'll be very. Yeah, she she'll she'll listen and and, and be critical of what I'm saying. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> as with my daughters, they're, they're both listening as well and doing the same. I'll get bullied in this house. Um, and then in terms of a fan, um, I think I think a fan would bring some real strength to it in terms of you know genuine love and care for the for, for their club but there'd also be a fear because you know it's a football club's a business and it has to be run as a business to be run well so you know sometimes maybe that you know you, you, if your heart starts to rule your head a little bit you might end up putting the club into a little bit of trouble so i think that would be a risk it's just getting a balance isn't it it's yeah. just getting the balance really we can't um, wrap the questions segment up without um, touching on Ricky J. Jones. I know we mentioned him briefly there, but obviously as, as football fans, we're all posh fans, of course, but you don't get to see you know, many youth games. Um, but as they come through, through to the first thing you do, get to see glimpses of them. We've seen Ricky J. Jones a bit this season and he looks seriously impressive. Um, how far do you think he can go? I know you don't want to put too much pressure on him, but as a talent. No, I'm not, I'm not a great one for, for, for building the players up. And putting putting that pressure on, but you know what Ricky has got is, is what well, yeah obviously he's got. He, he is the quickest thing I've seen in the football pitch. He is that quick, <laughs> so that gives him a real chance. He's, he's a good finisher as well, Ricky. So you, you straight away you put in together the fact that he's frighteningly quick and he's a good finisher. He's, he's got a lot of work to do on his game as every player has. 
you know, and, and he will improve because, again, you know, another good thing about Ricky is his character and his enthusiasm. He wants to learn. Um, he, he's very level-headed, Ricky. Um, I don't think that'll ever change. You know, he's, he's, he's been brought up very well by his parents. And I think he's got a, gr- a great chance. I think his attributes give him a great chance of progressing, you know, quite a long way yet. There's no doubt about that. And he's been at the club quite a while himself, hasn't he? Yeah, under nines all the way through, Rick. So, you know, I've sort of known him a, a long time. And obviously, sort of, I went off in for sort of two or three years. But yeah, for it. And he's always been the same. He's always been frightening quick and scored loads of goals. And that, that's just continued. And he's, and again, he's just that, that same enthusiasm. It's important that that gets maintained. And there's been no sign that it won't be. And I generally, he's got every chance to, to keep progressing. But hopefully, that'll be with us. And he'd be scoring plenty of goals for us first before we do anything else. One of the things we're doing at the moment is our best 11 players ever. Um, who do you think has been the best player that you've seen play for the posh? Oh, jeez. It's a difficult question. I know, but... It obviously gives you natural answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tim has got this obsession with uh, Exodus Gohagen. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he's yeah. an incredibly good player. <laughs> yeah, I remember. We're well, well, on his fan club, Kieran. We, we're more than welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So you're more than welcome. I remember Exodus receiving the ball in the corner flags, trying to play it from the back once. I remember seeing it in that game. Who lost it? I mean, yeah. The, I mean, the Gaffer had some unbelievable players in his time. You know, the likes of, of Grant, obviously, we spoke about. Um, mm. Exceptional player. Tom Lynn, centre-forwards. I, I must mention Aaron, obviously. Um, <laughs> um, but he's had some unbelievable players. Um, on his, you know, on his day when he was really, really at it, uh, I used to, Lee Tomlin was unbelievable. Um, really, really good. Um, and then I suppose, and I'll, I'll take you all the way back to my really younger days. I'm sure you'll remember some of these names. Lots of you know people like Mickey Jin. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. those sort of Mickey Jin, Trevor Quo, Phil Chard, Trevor mm-hmm. Slack. You know, yeah. there's been some yeah. really good players way back then. Um, but Lee Tomlin used to do some some things. He he he'd see things that other people didn't see. I thought he was exceptional. But yeah, you know, you then sort of discounting uh, Craig, Aaron, Dwight Gale. Britt, Grant McCann, Ryan Bennett. I mean, there's some really, really yeah. exceptional players. So when, when you read them out like that, for, for a League One club, obviously we've, mm. we've been in the Championship as well, but we've had some serious talent at the club, haven't we? Kieran, I've got a... Just, is this, this is a myth. I don't know if this is true. Is it still the case that, or was it ever the case, that youth players would A, act as ball boys on match day, and B, clean the first-team players' boots? No, it's, it's not a myth. So in terms of ball boying... Mm-hmm. Um, yes, they have done. Um, it's a bit frowned upon nowadays, so we have to be a little bit careful with it um, in terms of the league football education. Obviously, their apprenticeship programs a bit frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if the, if the boys volunteer to do it, it, it's not an issue. But we can't really force them to do it. Is what they say. Because, you know, yeah, yeah you're, into, well, you're into minimum wage and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but we, we, yeah, exactly. But we, we've always we've always liked it. We, we we want the youth team as close to first team as we can on match day. Yeah, yeah. We want them around the dressing room at the end of the game, helping yeah. to tidy up. Um, a lot of them do clean boots. We don't force it on them, but they all do. To be fair, you know, and, and they and, and those who do it well get well looked after at Christmas and the end of the season. The little, you know, nice some nice bonuses from the players. The players look after them, but it also helps them build 
a relationship with the players, you know, yeah, of course, yeah. to the first team players. So, so it's something we encourage in the, in the right way. You know, it's, obviously it's not something that can, can be abused as such. This is, this is a true story. When I was at school, a couple of my mates were ball boys. So, you know, they'd, they'd go on a Saturday and do their ball boy thing. And they used to really, one of them used to stand near the away fans. And what he used to do is he used to wind them up. And the way fans used to throw money at him, and he used to think it's great. <laughs> yeah. I was a, I was a steward once when I when I was at Cambridge as, as a youngster. Um, they, when they had the good FA Cup runs, that they played Millwall one year in a replay at home, and at the time, although it was any different, they hadn't got enough money for enough stewards. So as apprentices, we had to be stewards, and I had to steward in front of the Millwall fans. And that was that was an experience. <laughs> it's now time for the Yellow Blockbusters. No, it's not. Uh, due to coronavirus, we've made the decision to end the Yellow Blockbusters season. As Team Yellow Block were leading 25-13, was handed the title to the Yellow Block. So well done, Jim and Kidsby. Um, I don't know. Do you know what? I don't. We've had some good posh fans on over the season. I don't understand how you've you've got such a lead like that, twenty five to thirteen. Because your your knowledge, kids, be for for a man of your age, I wouldn't say he's that good when it comes to posh. I don't know. It's okay. It's not brilliant. I'll, have to, I'll grant you that. But um, clearly, it was good enough to win, though, wasn't it? So. Well, yeah. Commiserations to the listeners and thanks for taking part. One last question, Kieran. Um, obviously, we were, we were chatting with Jason Neil the other day, and it sounds as though mm-hmm. he's uh, really spearheading the academy programme. Of the, I, I mean, from a fan looking in, we get the impression that the three owners are united. They're singing off the same hymn sheet. Of the three owners, is it is it Jason that you, you have the most dealings with? Is it him that you, you speak to the most? Yeah, yeah di- directly to the academy. I think the way the owners are working, they're almost sort of split the club into certain areas that they have key responsibilities for, if you like. And mm. Jason, or Jason is, is the academy. Now, obviously, um, I do sort of report into all three, but in terms of, sort of direct meetings, you know, when Jason's over with us, we'll, we'll have sort of two or three meetings. Um, and he's my sort of point of contact, if you like, within the ownership group um, directly for the academy and, and the investment and the, and the progression of the academy. Happy days. Thanks for listening to this episode of Yellow Block. A massive thanks to Kieran. Um, cheers for that, Kieran. That was absolutely spot on. No, I enjoyed it. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I, I yeah, very good. Yeah. In fact, you'll go down in history as the only person to ever agree with me on, on the Yellow Block. No, what, 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 I can't remember it. I can't remember it. I don't think you did. I just noticed you answered back, Kisby. I Really, I, find it, I find it really interesting getting into the inner workings of a club, particularly outside of the first team and hearing what happens behind the scenes and the stuff that you don't see as a fan. I love that. I find it all really interesting to know what's going on. Yeah, there's a lot of good work goes in the club, to be fair, that naturally people won't see. But um, the most important thing is that you get to see the outcomes on a Saturday afternoon. That's what, that's what try to do, obviously. So. Yeah. Happy days. Well, I hope... Um, the missus and the, the daughters don't bully you too much after this. Uh, it's, and, uh, it's constant. Time. No problem. Uh, I'm with you on that. Cheers, mate. <laughs> Thanks to the contributors, everyone who wrote in questions for, for Kieran. Follow us on Twitter at The Yellow Block. Like us on Facebook, Facebook forward slash The Yellow Block. And tune in next time on iTunes, Acast and Spotify.
So we're now cool. joined by James from The Posh Report. So, yeah, so one of the things with Tony, uh, when the guys listen to the podcast, put out the question about who to bring him to replace him. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a monster at the minute trying to trying to answer that. But I've been working on an article that hopefully come out next week, um, looking at Stata, but also looking at video and trying to trying to replace him. But given his all round output and the sort of money that Posh have to spend, it's going to be very difficult to replace him in the summer. Um, and it may be taking a punt on on a younger and proven player will be the way to go. Say if we had two million, say if we had two million to spend on a player, which would obviously be more than what we've ever spent, do you think we could get a player similar to his stats, what what, what he brings in for us? So that, that two million is exactly the, the range I've been looking at. I've been looking at players who I think would be between half a million and two million pounds or loans. I, the other thing you have to bear in mind is that Posh tend to shop, shop in the 24 and under market because they want sell on value. That's um, that's true, yeah. So that rules so, a lot out. So, yeah, it does. So the first thing I did was filter League 1 and League 2 strikers by age, so under 24, and by minimum five games played. And immediately that takes you down to about a pool of 60 players. So you, you're talking about a small pool there and then maybe players who aren't currently starting in the Championship or players who are playing in maybe Premier League 2 for Premier League sites. In terms of players who most accurately reflect his current output, a couple of interesting names would be the likes of Norwood or Boyce at Burton. But again, they're over that age bracket. And whether they are realistic signings, Boyce might be, Norwood probably not. But I do have a couple of names in mind. Um, One is a League Two striker and one is a Premier League striker who performed very well in the EFL Trophy, um, and that caught my attention. Um, and look at is the Premier League striker realistic though? He's well. He's 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 twenty. He's either I think he's twenty one. He's either twenty or twenty one. He's not started a game in the Premier League. I'm not a hundred percent sure on his availability, but I suspect the side he has would at least be looking to loan him out. He's probably at a similar stage of his development to Tony when Tony was signed for Posh. So he went on loan, went out on loan two seasons ago, has been back with his Premier League club, but not made the bench this season. He's just played in the trophy in Premier League two. So you'd imagine the club will either be looking to sell him or get minutes in him next season. Um, and next I've been trying to think of a name. I can't. I haven't got any. Not for the Premier League. Next time I'm on, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the names, and maybe that's what we can discuss. Definitely, yeah. We're gonna have a think of that in the time um, into the next podcast. And you say League Two and Premier League, yeah? Yeah. So one, one name was a League Two player. He, the League Two player, stood out for me mainly because of his um, expected assists and expected goals. And what I was trying to do with the striker was find like for like, or as close to like for like. So players who were good in the air, players who did have decent defensive output, players who were goal threats. And again, that rules so many names out because he, um, and then looking at the looking at the ages of the players as well, you're talking about a very small pool, but I've got a couple of names who I think will likely be of interest to the to the recruitment department. I'm sure they've got a list of names who they'll be looking at. You, you keep these stats up, uh, James, and you'll be on that recruitment panel, I reckon. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think they do a pretty good job as it is. So I don't know. I don't know how much I could add to the work they already do. 
You never know. Listen, we're going to think of them two names, which when you're on next time, we're going to put them to you. I look forward to that. All right, James. Thanks very much. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Cheers mate. Have a good one. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.